you are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. Awesome. Hey, Ryan, can you turn me down just a little bit? That would be... Awesome for them. So we are in a series in the book of Acts. And so for like the next, I'm not counting, but for like the next 38 weeks-ish, we are going to be unpacking and studying this incredible book. And if you're new to the Bible, it's important to know that Acts plays a really important, I would say, critical role in the gospel story. It's one of the historical books of the Bible. And when we think about the historical books of the Bible, we might think of like Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and some of those other ones. But Acts provides what I think is a really important history of the church in who God is and who God's people are, what the mission of God is and what the mission of God's people is to be in the earth, as God says over and over in the Old Testament, that He wants to use His people to be a sign and a symbol of His goodness and faithfulness and love and power. And so, the book of Acts, what are we talking about in the book of Acts? We're talking about the 30 years from the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus until Paul gets arrested. So this like kind of like 30-year journey, and there's all kinds of moments where the disciples are working out in their own life, the apostles are working out in their own life, like what does it mean to follow Jesus now? We got very used to following Jesus when we had meals with him, when we could sit down and ask questions, but now he's united in a physical way with his father in heaven and he's given us a task that if we've received grace to go and give grace if we've received love to go and give love if we've received power to empower other people as we fulfill this task and mission that God has given to us and so we're in the third chapter of this book and I want to read a little bit of it today So this is Acts chapter 3. This does happen to be probably my favorite chapter of the Bible. I think it's an incredible, incredible story. It's okay to have favorite chapters of the Bible. Just just that's for free today. Don't worry. The other chapters of the Bible are not jealous. Okay, so Acts chapter 3. The heading in my Bible says, Peter heals the crippled beggar. So one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us which is awkward because he already is. I don't know if anybody noticed that in the reading, but that's already happening. But anyway, we'll just keep on rocking. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. 
Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all of the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So we're going to talk about the book of Acts today, but to talk about the books of Acts today, we have to talk about HelloFresh. I think we have a slide about HelloFresh. Do we have a slide about HelloFresh? There it is. So here's the deal with HelloFresh. It sounds like a really good idea. Because you don't have to go shopping at the grocery store for the ingredients. What's HelloFresh about, Pastor? HelloFresh is about the groceries being sent to your house. And then all you have to do is take said food, follow the instructional booklet, put it all together, and everyone in the family is happy. Doesn't that sound easy, church? Yes, it does. Is it easy, church? No, it's not. Two ways to live in life. One way to live in life is to live by instruction. Where we just follow all of the rules. All of the things that we have been told. Step one, step two, step nine. While that is going on, do this. That's how the instructions of HelloFresh are written. And I find it very frustrating and confusing and it makes my heart sad. Because it's just too much to handle for this guy at one time. What do you mean, meanwhile, this is all happening? I'm focusing on what's happening here. But do you know that you can live this way? According to instruction. But you can also, another way to live in life is to live according to wonder. Where it isn't just all of the instruction that we have been given throughout our life. But it's to live with a sense of wonder. Like if you have ever watched a child watch fireworks in the sky. This summer we were at a Canaries game. That took way too long. Have you been to one of those in your life? It's not the ninth inning. It's not the tenth inning. It's not the eleventh inning. It's the twelfth inning with a bunch of kids. I brought two neighborhood kids with me. And also my niece plus the two that I already had. So we were just rocking it in the Canary Stadium. I'm just waiting either for Jesus to come back or for the game to be over. One of those things. Neither of those things were happening until the very end. And then, of course, you have to stay at the fireworks. And what do children do when they see fireworks? They don't yawn. They don't look at their watch. They don't think about the grocery list. Like they are caught up in the wonder of what's happening in the sky. And my contention as we read the book of Acts is this is exactly what has happened to Peter. Peter has been caught up by the story of Jesus, by the power of Jesus, by the power of grace and belonging. 
And it's not about all of the instruction to live that way. Because if you are going to teach someone to build a boat, there's two ways to do it. You can just give them the instructions. And they follow step by step by step by step. And then the boat's ready to push onto the water. Or you just take the person on the water and let them fall in love with the water. And then they forsake everything else to build a boat. Why? So we can spend more time on the water. This is what happens to Peter. He gets caught up in the wonder of God's story. And Peter's very famous for a moment that he would like to do again. A moment that didn't go very well the first time. A moment when he denied Jesus. But it's important to remember that Peter lives for 34 years after that moment. That's not even close to the end of Peter's life. Peter encounters 34 thanksgivings past that time. 34 Christmases, 34 Black Fridays, 34 April Fool's Days come into Peter's life. And so church, it is a mistake today for us to believe that one season of life defines our story. Like one season of difficulty, being definitive of our story and who we are. One season of loss, like been in one of those, where the only thing that seems to be happening is decay and loss and hardship. And it just keeps hitting you and hitting you and hitting you and hitting you. The, the story of the scriptures and Peter's story in the scriptures would scream to us today, it's a mistake to believe that one season of your life defines your life. Because Peter has 34 calendar flips after that moment. And is it a significant moment in his story? Of course it is. We're not going to try to erase this moment from Peter's life. It's part of it. The gospel writers don't do that. The gospel writers don't protect this moment in Peter's life from the rest of the story. The Bible keeps being printed and this story continues to be printed in the narrative. And it's important because it has a role for us. And so the gospel writers want to present Peter not as perfect, but as getting caught up in the wonder of who God is. And they're willing to show Peter as both faithful and flawed. Because we see moments of incredible faithfulness in Peter's life. And we see some other moments too. It's important that we can come to this story with that understanding. You know, learning to walk with Jesus we find and Peter finds is a little bit like learning to drive a stick shift. I know a lot of us in this room don't even know what a stick shift is, but it's a way that we used to drive cars. That makes me sound like an old crotchety man, I know, but that's just part of the deal. Like it fits and starts. Don't know if you've ever tried to change gears when you're on a hill, but there's fits and starts and you're kind of searching to find. I don't know if you ever have felt that way in your life with God. Like you're just, trying to, you're just trying to find it. You know, and there's like somebody behind you that's waiting for you to find it. 
and the gears start to grind. Can I just tell you that this book is filled with those kinds of moments and those kinds of people? It's not by instruction, but it's by wonder. And it's not formulaic. It's not one plus two equals three. It fits and it starts and we see it in the life of Peter. And I see it in my life. And I think if we could have a moment of honesty today, we could say, yeah, I see it in my life too. Fits and starts in our life with God. So verse 1 of the third chapter of the book of Acts, Peter and John are, are doing something. They're going to church. It's 3 in the afternoon, and so they're going to the temple to pray. We have a map that kind of shows where this is. So this little circle here, the beautiful gate, this is on the, the eastern side of the temple, so it's flipped, they face it the other direction, so yes, I've been to school, I understand cardinal directions, but it's the way that it's known, it's the eastern gate, and it's a busy place, people are coming in and out constantly, I mean, you think 41st Street in Louise on December 21st is bad, this, that would pale in comparison to this, so there's lots of people who are coming and who are going, and Something really significant happens. They meet this man, and he's been unable to walk from birth. And they, he asks them for money so that he can make it to tomorrow. And what I love about this today is this is a picture of our world. Like, do you know that there's just a lot of people waking up today and walking around today, and that's what's on their mind? Like, how can I make this to tomorrow? I don't have a 10-year plan. I don't have a 25-year trajectory. Like, I'm just trying to make it to breakfast. This is the picture of the world that the disciples are in. And what I love is that when Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples did not quit their participation in the world. They leaned in to their world. And the temple was an incredible place for them to do this. They didn't just like grab their Bibles and pour some coffee and go in an upper room and fill themselves with all the instruction. You might be surprised to know that they didn't even have a Bible. But they had a mission. They had a call. And there's an encouragement in here today for us to, to not lean back from the world. When the world says something that you disagree with, when there's something that happens in the world that kind of makes you cross your arms, I just need to tell you today that the King Jesus would say to you, you have been created, designed, and empowered to lean toward the world. Because that's what he did. So much so that he comes as a baby child into the world. So that he could heal, so that he could redeem, so that he could rescue. It does not mean that we applaud every moment that happens on planet earth, but it means our posture is to lean toward what God might be wanting to do in a certain moment. Forty years of suffering. 
you know, it just kind of shows us that sometimes it's not what you're suffering, but how long you've been suffering from it. 40 years of ridicule, 40 years of shame, 40 years of not being able to move, and that changes for him. And this healing shows something I think really beautiful. We have Isaiah 35, if Bam could put that up. Here's what we find in Isaiah 35. Here's the promise from the mouth of the Lord. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So here's what's beautiful. What started with Jesus, the healing, the renewal, the resurrection that Jesus is seeking to bring And it begins with him. And now it's been passed to the disciples. So if we took the names out of this narrative, a question that I have is, could you imagine Jesus doing this? Like, could you imagine Jesus encountering a man paralyzed and speaking the promise of his father in heaven over him and bringing healing to his life? Yeah, you could. Because this moment looks and sounds and even maybe even smells a lot like Jesus. And I don't know, but I think that just might be a good question for us in life on planet Earth. Like this moment that I'm in, does the way I'm responding, does it smell, does it look like Jesus? If we erased the names, could we imagine Jesus entering in this situation in this way? And if we're like, oof, not a chance, then we might not have any business in that moment in the first place. So the story continues because the man doesn't just stay put. Like the the healing propels him somewhere. And he goes into the temple and this text tells us what he does. He's leaping and rejoicing. His body is doing things it has never done before. Grace and healing and love and power has ushered him into a new place, into a new moment. And it's possible, it would have been possible for him to just stay put. To reject the thing that God wanted to do. To reject the healing. To, to reject the new way of life. To say, no, I'm actually like really comfortable doing this. This is what I do every day. I've been doing this day after day, month after month, year after year. So I'm actually just going to stay here, but thanks. He receives the good gift of God in this moment. And he rejoices with his mouth and in his body. And then the people are like, hey... Isn't this the guy who always asks for money when we're going to church? Like, that's how they know him. Like, they know him by his suffering. And this is so beautiful. They once knew him by his suffering, and now they know him by the victory of God. Now they know him by what God has done in his life. And it creates this 
stirring within the people that they just showed up to the temple to like do their prayer thing. Like they just came, they're doing the instruction deal. And now what happens? Wonder, they are caught up in the wonder of what is going on here. Because the disciples leaned forward into the world instead of leaning away. So here's a couple things that I think are beautiful about this story. One is, you know, what you do for the one reaches into the lives of many. What you do for one reaches into the lives of many because that man steps into the healing and then people are immediately impacted by it because they notice the difference. And over the last several weeks, we've been talking about Haiti. And we've been talking about the crisis that Haiti finds itself in. Like Haiti has a huge part of the heart of this church uh, that we have invested tens of thousands of dollars into that place since invitation started and we're gonna continue doing that. Because God's up to something in that place and it is our heart and belief that he desires to use us to lean towards Haiti. But we shared with you about the fuel crisis and how fuel's like $50 a gallon. And there's been people who have taken over the fuel depot so people who really need it can't get it. And we believe that God would desire for us to do what we can. We're not all jumping on a plane today and we're not opening up the fuel and giving it free to everybody but we're going to do what we can. Because the problems there, the challenges there are too big for one person, for one family, for one church. And sometimes I think the size of the suffering leads to inaction. It's just too big. Like what could we possibly do? But it's good for us to remember that what we do for one person bleeds into the life of many. When I think about my life as a person on planet Earth, I think about so many people who have invested in my life. So many conversations. Older men in the church. Grew up for a long time in my home with, I had a dad in the home. A lot of you kind of know the background of that. And today I just like see all the faces of people who invested in me and who told me the truth about myself and about God. And one of the great gifts of that community is that the work that God did through them within me, even in this moment, gets to spill out into the lives of others. So what you do for one impacts the many. So don't buy the lie that what you do for one is just gonna be about that one person. You have no idea what God wants to do in the life of that person whom you choose to lean towards. So that's number one. And the second thing I'd love for you to know today is that God is at work among the unexpected. We're going to talk about this at Christmas time. Like God uses some Persian dudes that we know as the Magi to give glory and praise to God. These are not people who are folded into the people of Israel. Like they're the outsider of outsider. 
And so God's at work among the unexpected. Probably the person that you would least expect to be used in the hand of God is exactly the person that God wants to use. So God is at work among the unexpected. You know, there's not a chance going to the temple that day that this man who has been seated year after year, decade after decade, was the person that everybody thought, oh, this is going to be the, the next messenger of God. No, he doesn't do anything. He just sits there and just asks for money. But then the Holy Spirit shows up in his life in a powerful way. And part of what that shows us, honestly, today is that it's always a mistake to decide the, the method and the timing and the work of what God wants to do in your life. Like, it's a huge mistake for you to decide what God wants to do with your life and what the future is going to hold for you. Like, that's a huge mistake. Because God wants to do something great and beautiful and healing in your life. Wants to use you in a powerful way in this world. So don't buy the lie that you're just going to have this, like, small existence. Like, I would encourage some of us to stop using the word just. Like, I'm just a college student. Like, I'm just a mom. I'm just an architect. No, you are someone that the Holy Spirit of God has breathed on. That's who you are. And when the Holy Spirit breathes on you, what happens? Resurrection happens. New life happens. Purpose happens. Change and transformation happens. So I don't know if you're thinking about resolutions for 2023 maybe stop saying just and maybe receiving the word that your father in heaven would love to speak over you okay we got to read the rest of the chapter i invite the band up as we close today don't worry i'm going to do this fast those of you who got nervous especially our first timers like oh boy Peter speaks. So do you love that today? Even in the headings, gosh, I love the Bible. Peter heals is the first heading. The second heading is Peter speaks. Like these are action words. Peter speaks to the onlookers. And could you just think about that in the context of his life? In the context of what happened last time. He had an opportunity to speak. Like, hey, don't you know Jesus of Lazareth? No. Never seen him before. I thought you, I thought I'd seen you with his group. No, no, no. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the guy, he says. Peter speaks to the onlookers. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? He's almost trying to say, as if like by our own instruction, we healed this man. 
the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and the righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all of the prophets saying that this Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, that he may send the Christ who has appointed for you even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. So if we go back to the resurrection story you know Peter would not have been a great candidate in that moment for this little speech that he gives the onlookers but Peter's been caught up in the wonder not caught up in getting it all right A plus B not sure if it equals C but I heard it maybe did not getting caught up in all of that but getting caught up in the wonder And how do you get caught up in the wonder? You get caught up in the wonder by understanding how powerful and mighty and present and abiding is the grace of God. Because the grace of God is not the wings that are going to carry you to heaven someday. It's the grace of God that enables you to do tomorrow. The grace of God is not some kind of destinational power. It's a formational power. It is the very power that helps you, that causes you, that enables you to speak against lies you have believed for a long time. To push back against the messages that you've received about yourself to say, no, I'm not just, I am a child of the Most High King Jesus. I don't know if you heard about this story that happened in London, and then I'm going to sit down. And there's this really famous, incredible uh, art gallery in London, and there's a few people who uh, showed up uh, with a couple cans of tomato soup to this art gallery, not because they were looking to have lunch, but because they were looking to deface the art in this gallery. And there's this really famous painting by Van Gogh. It's called Sunflower. You know what I'm talking about? Can you see it in your mind? You remember seventh grade art class? Okay, some of you are searching. Yep, okay, now we got it. Good. So that's the painting. It's like 1888 or something. Long time ago. It's worth something like $83 million. Not sure that there's a person in the world to buy that, but that's what it's worth. And they splatter tomato soup on the painting. And later on in the day, the Art Institute of London 
kind of put out this press release because people were talking about it. It was all over the place. Some of you probably heard about this. And the press release from the Art Institute of London said, don't worry. We plan for things like this. So the frame of the painting is a little bit damaged. But what most people don't realize is we put a real thin sheet of glass over the painting so that it can't be defaced, so that it can't be touched, so that it can't be marred. And what was created in beauty cannot be destroyed. I don't know how you think about grace, but that's kind of how I think about it. That we live in a world where all kinds of tomato soup wants to get thrown at all the promises our Father in Heaven has spoken over you and the work that He's done in your life and the work that He desires to do in the future in your life. And the grace of God is just this like little sheath of protection, we could call it. that keeps very good what he has created. And that's what Peter knows. I think that's what enables Peter, this truth that there's now no more condemnation because there's a cover. That enables him to stand up and speak to that crowd about who Jesus is and about the hope that he has in him. We pray with me? Lord God, we thank you today for this group of people. We thank you, God, that no condemnation can stick. We thank you that grace is not a destinational power, but grace is a formational power. We thank you for the life of Peter, for what he teaches us and shows us. We thank you for the book of Acts and the opportunity it gives us to think deeply about who we have been made to be. And I want to pray for the person who's seated here today, who's fighting all of this stuff in this moment. The things that pride probably does not true for me of this and this and this and this voice of accusation in their heart and mind right now, I pray that you would speak against that in the name of Jesus. And I pray that we would not decide how you want to use this community of faith. I pray we would not decide what our future is. This would be a church not that would live and walk and move and breathe according to instruction, but according to wonder. God, would you help us get caught up in wonder? Would that wonder be the engine of faithfulness in our lives as individuals and as a people? Not the stuff that we know, not the notes we've taken, not the stuff we've written down, but the wonder that comes from your hand, would that power us? in all things for Jesus' name and in Jesus' name we pray. Would you stand? We're going to sing one more song together.
Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.